Women Taking the Lead, episode 171. Reach out to other women. Call people up. You'd be surprised how much support they need and how much you can get from them. I think getting together with other women is really important. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Every child wants to be the hero of their own story. At JulesCustomBooks.com, your child plays the central role in every book, bringing joy and delight when they hear their name and those of their family and friends. Visit JulesCustomBooks.com to make your child the star of the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Libby Brockoff, who launched her career as one of the founding partners and namer of Campaign's Agency of the Decade, Mother London. She was 27, and she hasn't slowed down since. As one of the only female creative directors in the industry, and all of you listening have to know that women make up 3% of agency leadership, she's crafted the advertising strategies for Silicon Valley's tech giants like Facebook. Microsoft, and YouTube. She reframed the transgender narrative as the creative visionary behind Caitlyn Jenner's coming out story. She helped activate Obama's arms trade treaty because she believed in it. And she leads a dangerous team of equally passionate professionals at the Ad Ages Small Agency of the Year and Next Agency of the Decade, Odysseus Arms. Libby, that, you know, I love when, you know, I'm leading into, that's just a little overview of you, (laughs) (laughs) although it's huge. Give everyone um, a a broader picture of the woman that they're listening to now and a little bit about your own humble beginnings. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me um, speak today. I I really appreciate uh, this opportunity. Um, I've been a creative in advertising for over 25 years. So what does that mean exactly? We make Super Bowl spots, print work, digital work. And being a creative is one of the most special jobs within the advertising business. Um, We basically do what a computer can't do. We solve creative problems. We make ideas. And Within the ad industry, it's the most precious and revered job. Um, Likely, most of the time, our ideas change the fortunes of companies and give our clients like serious promotions. Um, (laughs) So Mm -hmm. the, the thing about that, though, is this is definitely a boys' club. And that has always been how my industry has been referred to. And as you said in the beginning, you know, there's less than 3% women in these leadership roles. And the important thing about that is 80% of things purchased in this country are done by women. So we have 3% of the women talking um, and putting out advertising that really speaks mostly to women. So this is very, um, very lopsided. And until now, until currently, like I'm even talking in the last like six months, um, this conversation has only started to change. Even when I started Odysseus Arms uh, six years ago, I couldn't get one person to write about me being a female-owned business. 
And there's, I can only think of two others in this country that are female owned, yet that was not an important topic. Now it is becoming more important and it's great. The conversation's really kicking off. Um, but you know, I think most importantly, I love making creative work so much that, you know, I kind of found this immense purpose in the mid nineties when I started and, you know, when I had to start in this business, I did a lot of things that I'm not really proud of now and, and not would not recommend to people things like I cut my hair short, I wore a baseball cap and jeans and a black t shirt to work every day because I worked in um, a male creative department. And I thought that my ideas would be valued more by kind of fitting in in that way. And I didn't believe that I could wear, you know, drop dead red lipstick and stilettos and still be able to sell something. I didn't believe in, in womanhood in that way. And I never, I've never gotten to work for a woman. I've always worked for men. So I've never been able to have that leadership. And, you know, I, I would never recommend that to anyone that works for me. I make a point of hiring young women. And even when women leave here, I try to stay connected to them. I make sure that they know that they have my support. Um, and I believe that women are viable members in the creative department. Um, so it was my challenge to make sure that my voice was heard. And I believed that I had something valuable to contribute. Um, so, you know, helping young women today and changing this is a very important part of what I try to do on a daily basis. Yeah. And I can definitely hear that's, that's part of your personal mission is to change the culture of the industry that you're in. So women feel more comfortable to be themselves as they're achieving these leadership roles. And, you know, and it's not just in the ad agency, you know, arena, there are a lot of women listening to this podcast who also find themselves in male dominated fields. And it can be an identity crisis trying to figure out, well, who do I be so that people listen to me and respect me, you know, and that sort of thing. And then after you do that whole rigmarole, that crazy dance, trying to get back to who you really are. And so women like you are actually paving the way for younger women to just start with being themselves and stay there, you know, and, and be their own leader and earn respect through doing, not by trying to mimic people who are already in leadership positions. I totally agree with that, Jody. I mean, the first thing that I ask anybody who walks into our office is, what do you want to do? And it doesn't matter if they're a woman or a man, but at the, the end of the day, what do you want to do? And we've helped so many people here get to the thing that they want to do, they want to make. It's so important in a creative field to find that place that you need to be, that you need to live. Um, I interviewed somebody the other day for our office manager position, and after talking to her, realized that she's a great filmmaker, but she didn't have the confidence to try and pursue that job. And I said, I'm not going to hire you. I won't hire you as, as my PA because you're better than that. You need to go make films. And this is the kind of support that we need to be giving young women. And instead of giving her that job, I said, you can come in this weekend and cut some films for us <laughs> for a pitch that we're working on. And if you do a good job with that, I will help you get to the production companies that you need to get to. So I think, you know, 
having those hard conversations with people and stepping in and getting people to the right roles is a very important part of our job. I had another employee at her review that kind of took what I would call like a secretarial job within the ad industry at our place. And, um, you know, I never really understood why she wanted to do that. So I kept asking her and asking her because I find her immensely creative and I really wanted to push her. And, you know, I ended up basically pushing her out of any kind of secretarial roles and into a creative role. And there's so much stigma attached to being a creative um, that only kind of men are allowed to have good ideas. I mean, there's actually in this industry, there's a question, a thing that says, can women have good ideas? And I think it's, I think it's crazy. Like I've seen it in a lot of articles, like are women creative? And until women leaders and other people start to put women in these roles and encourage them, um, we, we're, we're not going to see women join this industry because they're not being supported. Mm, that has been a trend on this podcast as well, is that it oftentimes takes somebody believing in us for us to feel the confidence to go after what we're really good at. But we, we recognizing that we now need to be that person who's looking for the talents, the gifts and the strengths and other people and, and saying to them, are you aware are you aware you're really good at this? And you might want to pursue that. So I love that you're making that a practice every time someone comes into your office to get them talking about what they want to do and what they're good at. So you can make sure you're lining them up with where they need to be. Because the last thing you want is like somebody who, yeah, you know, would be your personal assistant, but always dreaming of doing something else. It's just not a good fit. Right. I mean, we have this saying here. I mean, we don't let people have dreams here because we want your dreams to be your reality, right? I mean, you, you, you can't be dreaming. You need to make that dream happen today. Dreams last too long. They go into infinity. That needs to happen now, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if you've um, read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, where she says dreams and inspiration. There's there's a statute of limitations on that. Like, you, <laughs> like if you have inspiration, you've got to go after it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm actually I, I never understood. You know, I think this extends beyond women into race as well. And I never really, truly understood what it meant to help people get into roles. And I'm talking about African Americans, Mexicans, Asians, women, anybody who is currently undervalued in the workplace. I didn't understand what people meant. Um, and I, I didn't understand how much effect I could have on people until I started, until I started to activate it and do it in my own company. And I was like, I totally get this now. Like we need to put people in these roles. We need to support them. And that's the way we're going to create change. And it was very hard for me because I, when I started, basically my attitude was just work really hard and you're going to get there. And that's great. I get that. And it works for a lot of people, but for a lot of people who are disadvantaged, it does not work. And so we need to take action on that as a leadership group all across the world, this country, to 
to putting more of a fair representation and giving people more of an opportunity, we kind of have an obligation in society to, to make everybody better. That's my belief. Mm, I love that. And actually, you know, just to level the playing field, because everyone's listening, you know, they heard your bio and your mission and what you have going on, and you're doing all these really great things, and you're doing them confidently. But what levels the playing field and connects us all is those playing small moments, right? The moments where we just aren't fully present to how valuable we are and what we're capable of. And so we hold ourselves back and, you know, we don't pursue things as passionately as we would as if we felt the confidence. So Libby, if you could share with us a playing small story of your own and the lessons you've learned from it. Right. Well, you know, I realized from the first day that I went back to work that Boys don't fight fair. I see it with my son today on the boys' soccer team. They're really mean to each other. They scream at each other. They call each other out. One of the boys this weekend said to his opponent when he stopped his pass, he said, not today, buddy. And he's only nine years old. And then I went to my girls' <laughs> soccer um, soccer match, and the girl started to cry accidentally after she had kicked a ball at someone and like maybe hurt them and spent about five minutes apologizing for her actions. Um, so, you know, we, as women, I feel like don't really get as much training in, in being able to deal with these sort of hard problems, this debate, men are being being trained for these work situations, I think from a very early age. But I think the thing that really changed my confidence, what is at the end of the day, when I look back and I have to answer this question, it's people. And, and the big, big change for me has always been when a boss or, you know, someone that I worked for has supported me and, told me that my ideas are valuable. And I think the biggest case of that is um, when I started my ad agency in the UK and, um, you know, I was supposed to move back to LA with my husband. And so I quit my job. And when I quit my job, my boss said to me, wait, you can't quit. You can't leave the UK. I'm actually starting an ad agency. And I have to tell you about this now because you're leaving and I need you to stay. And, um, and you, you need to join this, and I want you to be a partner in this. And so I know that probably sounds, you know, like an amazing experience, but it's what followed next, Jody, that that really is getting back to that to that playing small moment, which is then I ended up moving back to the states, um, and. I didn't carry that confidence with me. I landed right back at another great agency in America that once again was a boys club, except this time it was the worst kind of boys club I had ever been to. And there were actually no women, no other women in the creative department. And I really lost my confidence and I didn't stand up for the ideas that I believed in. I basically didn't really know how to function in this environment and I didn't overcome it. And I let myself lose all my confidence. I let 
other people there tell me what ideas were good when, in fact, you can have successes and then things can creep back up on you and challenge your strengths. And um, when something is so deeply seated in the way that people behave, it's a really powerful force. And unfortunately, it, it can overcome you. And it's something that, um, you know, you have to work on on a daily basis. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you, how do you how do you work on that to make sure that your confidence stays high so that you, when you're faced with these moments cuz you're right, sometimes they come at you and you don't see it coming. You're at a, a networking event and somebody just questions what you're saying, all of a sudden you feel small again. How do you you build yourself up so that the, the, these types of moments don't sideline you? I mean, to be honest, it's something that I have to work on on a daily basis. The thing that's tricky with what I do is it's intellectual property. So unlike an accountant, the, the job that I do doesn't add up to a quote-unquote right number. It's all subjective. We're talking about we don't make art, but we make just what's close to it. We make pop culture. So it's all subjective. When I present an idea to a client or another creative whether they like it or not is is totally up for grabs. So it is something that um, I have to look at my track record. I have to grab onto facts, and that's the way. <laughs> that's the thing that really um, can help give me confidence is the things that I've done in the past. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Like remind yourself of it. Yeah. <laughs> this is my track record. This is what I'm capable of, you know, to keep that belief going. And I love that you shared this story because you're absolutely right. You can achieve the highest highs. It doesn't make you immune to those playing small moments, absolutely. right? Our inner, our inner critic can wreak havoc on us at any age, any level of success, but it's, it's important to be mindful. Like this is possible. So I really need to make sure that I'm working on building up my confidence so that I don't get sidetracked, um, by random things. So, yeah. and Libby, actually, I wanted to, to go on because I, I wanted to hear about a wake up call that you've also experienced, like a, a light bulb. It could be like, like a, a flash moment, like an aha moment, or for some people, it's a slow awakening. So if you could take us back to the moment and the steps you took that led to your success. Um, you know, this is a very interesting question. It has not only to do with being a creative, but also just kind of being a female. So you know, I got to a point where I had a successful agency. Mother was agency of the decade. And then I took a break and went and raised two kids for five years. And I had the same question that a lot of women had, which is, what's going to be my purpose now? I felt like I had already done the ad agency thing. And what else could I do? What, what could I give back? What's going to make me happy? And um, I was very, I feel very lucky, um, because my partner really got me back into the ad industry and, you know, it was something that I love to do. And I think that he really recognized that, um, that I was good at this, that it was something that I could still add a lot of value to and something that could really enrich my life. I think it's really difficult um, after people take a step back to 
figure out how do I get back involved? How do I, um, how do I join back in the conversation? Because, you know, after a certain point, um, there's, there's not a lot of immediate help that you can give your children, um, on a daily basis. And they need a lot of spiritual guidance, but that kind of daily hourly attention that you give them goes away and you, you really lose that purpose. And so, you know, being, you know, having the opportunity to, to try again, um, immediately kind of ignited everything that I used to love about mm -hmm. this industry. And, and what I've done is take that into, into my work. So I created something called, um, the army of moms. And I looked around and I was talking to people and I realized that before we were moms, we did other very important things. And a lot of the reason that women haven't been able to go back and do the things that they love is because it doesn't work with the sort of schedule that moms need to be able to make lunches, drop off violins, pick up kids. And so I said, well, how could, how could our company um, use these great minds, these great brains? We are in the Bay Area. We have to have some of the best innovators, thinkers, creatives. How do we harness them? How do we bring that energy back to all these women who think that they can't fit in, that there isn't a place because only because they're only able to work from 10 in the morning till three in the afternoon and then work again in the evening. So, um, you know, my big aha moment was just realizing that I'm allowed to go back and do the thing that I love and that there's, there's a way to get back into it. And, you know, I have to say that it's because I had an immense amount of support. And the only thing that that I can do now is to carry on that support to other people. And I go over the top to help anybody who contacts me that has been out of the workforce, who, um, you know, is trying to figure out what they want to do. And I think that supporting women in this way is, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what we were talking about before, where when you have that person who believes in you, who's looking for your strengths, your gifts, your talents and, and pointing them out to you, you know, that makes it a lot easier for you to just step up and go after, you know, what you want to do. So Libby, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? We've uh, recently been working with Facebook on an internal project that they're doing, they have a mission to empower all of the people in their workforce to give back. And, you know, I don't know if people have, if you aren't already connected to Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg, I highly recommend it. They have um, done a lot to think about what's important in our world, in our lives. And they have a very interesting concept about, you know, we, we think about life in two buckets, work, work life and, and, and um, home life, right? Those are the two buckets that we all try to fill. And they sort of said, what if there's a third bucket? What if there's a third bucket called giving? 
And what can all of us give back and what kind of impact could that have? And so I love this idea of, of having these three buckets and we have been so inspired to help their workforce find causes that they're passionate about and help them pursue it. And we do it in a fun way and an inspiring way. And this is something that will have a global impact. I mean, they have over 13,000 employees worldwide and it's been inspiring to think about how we can help their workforce, the impact that it will have on the world. And it's helped us reassess what we do. We, we tend to work with a lot of NGOs. We work with Amnesty International and the Reuters Foundation, but what else can we do? What else can, can we give back? Oh my gosh, I love that. And it must be so enlivening to work with a company that really, you know, what it represents is influencing influencers, you know, and the ripple effect that you can create working with an organization like that. Right. I mean, they are connecting people all over the world. That's their corporate mission. And um, with the Syrian refugee crisis alone, there's over 30,000 groups on Facebook who are connecting, who are solving problems. None of the um, organizations and help relief have really had nearly as much impact as all of the groups on Facebook who have rallied together and gotten people the things that they need. And, and that's, that's a really uh, powerful thing to have happen. Mm. And Libby, on the flip side of things, what's the biggest leadership or business challenge that you're currently faced with? The biggest challenge that we have right now is valuing the work that we do. So our, our business used to be set up where we would have, we would be agency of record for brands and we would research them, spend all of our time, um, being current with what was happening in the economy and the world in relation to our brands. And then from a creative leadership standpoint, making sure that their DNA, their brand message was consistent and relevant for their consumers. And in the last five years, that's all been exploded into this project economy. So what does project economy mean? It means we're basically like an emergency room for brands. So we don't, we don't spend that time crafting and learning. People come in with five minutes left, not a lot of money, and expect us to apply our godlike powers. And that magic wand doesn't always work on a daily basis. So, um, you know, bringing value back to the creativity that we do because it, it literally, if you have good advertising, it really does um, change the fortunes of the brands that you're working on. So bringing value back to that and taking this out of an emergency room type scenario is definitely our biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. And I love, you know, and hearing that, like how adaptable you are to the market, like, and it will continue to change, but you're able to take it in see what's going on so that you're helping your clients to the best of your ability as well. Yes. 
Awesome. And Libby, I think sometimes when women like you come on, like, cause you are just rocking it out in the world. You've done a lot of exciting things. You have amazing clients that you're working with and the new projects you're taking on are just mind boggling. And I think sometimes there's this illusion that, you know, women who are truly successful are just more capable than the rest of us. And they're kind of doing it on their own. They're one woman show when the reality is there's a whole support system behind, you know, for lack of a better term, the brand of that woman, right? There's a whole support system behind there. So if you could tell us about the people you have around you that make it possible for you to sustain your current level of success and to then expand upon it. Right. I think it's a really good thing to talk about. I mentioned it a little bit before, um, but I like to use the word believers, and I have a lot of believers around me. Um, One of the main reasons that my partner and my husband, Franklin, wanted to get me back into the industry is because he knew that all of these ad agencies were being run by three white men, and it was his way of taking action and kind of, uh, I mean, he really pushed me to kind of get back into this. And it was that support of not letting me quit and reigniting my passion for this that has meant so much to me. Um, and I, another great thing that's happened to me that has never, that never happened to me before, but since I've started Odysseus Arms is other women have reached out to me. Um, other strong women have linked in with me and I've started to form these amazing relationships with them. So Mimi Cook and Shira Bogard have like embraced me. I'm not even from SF and they rang me up and they sort of said, let's do this. And I, you know, when I first got that call, I don't think I realized how impactful that would be. And they have become a major support system. And I'm talking about complete strangers here. So Mm -hmm. that's something that I've learned from them that I now do is reach out to other women, call people up. You'd be surprised how much support they need and how much you can get from them. Um, I think getting together with other women is really important. Amen. I can get on that bandwagon. And now, Libby, I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? I think the most important thing to to helping myself uh, be a better leader is really spending time with the people that work with me. I think it's really easy to expect too much or too little from someone Um but I often put myself in their shoes and I, I think, you know, how would I be able to complete this task? Um, I think women are more emotional, they're more empathetic, and applying some of those, you know, skills that I have to our employees, I've seen to be a real benefit. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? I think one person that we can look to that is very inspiring is Frida Kahlo and any of her books or her artwork. She went through an amazing journey in her art career as far as her physical being physically, um, you know, suffering from a lot of health problems, life problems, and actually being 
Mexican, I think that or Spanish that, that she had a lot of challenges and all of those things actually just led to this rich tapestry of a person. And I think that, um, reading any of her biographies or films is, is a great way to inspire yourself. And I love art. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, and we, we were chatting a little bit about this, um, before we hit record, you can't, you know, there are definitely books you can, you know, look to out there to develop your leadership, but there's also people that you can look to and, and, learn, you know, from their experiences, how you want to be as a leader and how you want to live your life. So I love that answer. And Libby, what advice would you give your younger self? My younger self? Obviously, I would say embrace my femininity, flaunt it, have fun, um, you know, wear more lipstick. (laughs) (laughs) And just, you know, um, embrace, embrace being a woman and, and don't try and and hide it. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Um, we actually have this printed on our notepads and I don't think it's going to be coming off anytime soon, but it's difficulties be damned. (laughs) And so, um, I think it's just a great reminder whether you're having a hard day, there's a business problem you can't figure out. It seems like every other agency in the country is doing better than you are, winning more business pitches. It doesn't matter. Difficulties be damned. Take action. Get out there. Try. Come up with an idea. Call a girlfriend. Make it happen. Love it. And lastly, Libby, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter, and I would love to hear from you and correspond with you. Awesome. And for those of you who are on the go, you know that you can find all the links and resources that Libby shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. Just put her name in the search bar, put in Libby and Libby Brockoff, her page will come up and I will have all the links to her LinkedIn page, Facebook page, all in there for you to find. And Libby, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you so much. I really appreciated being part of this, and I hope that a lot of people benefit. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. 
We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.